We're just going to spend a few minutes together tonight, and uh, we're going to talk about the Word a little bit. And uh, I want to just talk to you uh, this time of year. It's a hot thing for people to start making their New Year's resolution. And, you know, we really probably need less uh, New Year's resolutions and just more resolve. Yeah, that's right. Amen. Because New Year's resolutions, uh, they seem to, about the time the perspiration's gone, the inspiration's gone. I told you a few weeks ago uh, that I had uh, lunch with a pastor, and he was telling me about a gentleman in his church that owns a donut store. And he said that they just planted in their annual business planning as they're, they're planning for their budget. And about the first three weeks of January, their business is dead bottomed out. They don't make any, any money, hardly at all, do hardly any sales. And about four weeks into the new year, it starts climbing back up. And all those people that paid for their gym memberships are back in there with a caramel-covered, nut-dipped, praise God. There's probably not four people in here that it would have made an impression on you or you would remember the way I did early mornings on the way to a church work day at FPC and we'd stop by Village Pantry and get fresh donuts. And that was absolutely the will of God. That's how we'd get people to work. We'd get them, get them a long john. Anybody here know what a long john is? <laughs> So it's, uh, it's the time of year where people are trying to do better, and uh, it's kind of amazing. Some people stick to it, you know. Some people really do. They, they stick to it for, for even for just a while, and they do better. But I want to tell you something. Uh, we can stand up here and talk about a move of God and having revival as a body. We can talk about harvest and all of that. But corporate revival is only a product of an individual breakthrough on a daily basis. Come on, I'm going to talk to you for a little while tonight about the power of, of prayer and self-discipline. I don't really have uh, a great title for you tonight, but I want to talk to you about how we discipline ourselves to do things for God. In Matthew, the 16th chapter, Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 24, I want to visit a couple of verses there. And I want to tell you that this is, this is the kind of teaching that Jesus did. And I know it probably makes a lot of people uncomfortable uh, when we do this kind of teaching in the modern church. It's not something that's really comfortable. But uh, in Matthew 16... Uh, Jesus was speaking to his disciples in verse 24. And this is what he said. Now listen, this is prerequisite. How many of you know what it means to be a Christian? We're Christ-like. In other words, we follow Christ. And this is the prerequisite of Christianity. In other words, you, if you call yourself a Christian and this is not what you live, you're not telling the truth. He said, if any man will come after me, Let's just read this together so y'all can preach good right now, okay? If any man will come after me, 
Let him deny. If he's going to come after me, he has to deny himself. The number one prerequisite of being a Christ follower is self-denial. Self-denial only comes through self-discipline. You may be seated. You know, if you've been around this church for any season of time at all, you've heard me teach, preach, talk um, about prayer. There's a lot of people that um, have been so kind through the years to come through FPC and evangelists and pastors and guest speakers, and they'll say, man, what's the secret? What's the secret sauce? What is it that makes FPC what it is? And we've been blessed with a lot of great things. We have a lot of great things. We have a beautiful facility. We have beautiful people. We have beautiful help, beautiful staff, uh, great music. I love our choir. I thank God for our choir every Sunday when I'm standing down here, even if it's just me and Bishop up here hopping around. I need, I need some hoppers to start joining me. Come on, Come on now. If we're not careful, people's going to look. Ain't nobody ever going to call us holy rollers anymore because we just stand back and rock back and forth. While, did y'all hear what that choir was singing Sunday night? Lord have mercy. That, look, the choir, the choir members are starting to get with me right now. That's what's happening. If you're not in the choir, you ought to be dancing with the choir. Come on, somebody. I don't want to be in no dead, dried-up Pentecostal church. I'm glad to be in the land of the living. I like being in an aisle-running church. I like being in a foot-stomping church. Praise God. If we ever lose that, I'm out. Amen. I don't want to be in... I, 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 Brother Thornton told me the other day, he said, bro... There's guys that make fun of the way we have church. So let them laugh. I don't want to go there dried up latte church. Come on now. They need to put their coffee table away and have some apostolic demonstration. I believe that. Praise God. I'm going to have church and I don't even have holes in my britches. If I do, it's on accident. Praise God. I'm still trying to figure that fad out. I know I just chased a rabbit trail here, but how in the world are you going to pay more for ripped jeans than you do for good ones? I started to come up with a business plan, britches with free air conditioning. It's amazing how people are, you know it? Listen, I want a move of God. And we don't have a move of God because we have a choir. We have a move of God if we have a praying choir. I want a move of God, but good musicians don't give us a move of God. Anointed musicians give us a move of God. And if you know my heart at all, I'd rather have no musicians than carnal ones. I don't want people that get so talented and so good that we get up here and re rely on the arm of the flesh. I don't want no evangelist coming through here. That's just going to suit my fancy and tickle my ears. Give me somebody that's been locked up with God in a secret place. There in the spirit, beholding his face. I want to move a God. I believe if a man won't pray, he ought to resign his church. I believe if a woman won't pray, a man won't pray, they ought to resign their Sunday school class. 
Come on. This would be a good time to run right here. I don't believe, I don't believe it was ever the will of God for us to get so talented that we don't need him anymore. We got to have the Holy Ghost and we got to have the fire. We got to have something that gets down hold of us, that challenges us every day. I don't know how you feel about it, but my old flesh gets out of control pretty quick. Come on. Sunday night, I can make some big promises to God while the altar's full. Monday afternoon, those promises start to fade into the abyss. My old flesh is always going to be contrary to the will of God in my life. There is nothing about prayer, nothing about prayer that's easy. Except for once you break into it and you feel the presence of the Lord. That part's easy. I want to tell you that there's absolutely nothing easy about fasting. I talked a little bit about it Sunday. Daniel shows us some powerful things that happen when you fast. I'm going to tell you all. I made up in my mind a long time ago, years and years ago, the first time Bishop did Daniel fast in this church. If I get to heaven and find out fasting is not necessary, I'm going to find Daniel and I'm going to punch him in the jaw. We know it's necessary. I told you Sunday night, this kind, it only goes out with prayer and fasting. And if you don't believe me, I'm telling you right now that in this day we're living in right now, we've come to this kind. We're up against this kind right now. We're up against the kind of stuff we've never seen before. We're up against this kind. And this kind only goes out with prayer and fasting. I know there's some that still got their head buried in the sand like an ostrich that think this is still about a virus almost three years later. It's not about a virus. We're against this kind. I was talking with a doctor today. And we were discussing the, all the new numbers that are being released. I said, I said man, I don't understand. Because they're saying exactly what we all wanted them to say in the beginning right now. It's all exactly the opposite. Now they're breaking off into how many died with and how many died from. How many were admitted with and how many were admitted from. And I, and I asked this man, I said, why in the world do you think they would, right in the middle of all this flow, just change the narrative? And this is what the man said to me. He said, bro, here's the thing. He said, the agenda of the day is to create confusion in the minds of people. They don't care what, what's true or what's not true. If it keeps people confused, I said, they're saying polar opposite. He said, it's because it creates confusion. And confusion causes people to want to be controlled. Let me tell you what you need more than you need anything in this world. You need discernment to walk in the Holy Ghost and to hear the voice of God. And I've come to teach to you on this Wednesday night. You are not going to hear the voice of God on a television. You are not going to hear the voice of God on a radio broadcast. You're not going to hear the voice of God on Sirius XM radio. You're going to hear the voice of God when you find a prayer closet. And you shut yourself in with the Holy Ghost. And you say, I'm not coming out of here until I got a word from heaven. I'm not coming out of here until I got peace. I walked in this prayer room this morning depressed. And I'm not leaving here until I feel it lift off me. I'm not going to walk out of this room until I feel this dark cloud that's over my mind get off of me. Don't do it. Amen. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 17. Galatians 5 and 17. For the flesh lusteth against 
the Spirit. And the Spirit against the flesh. Now this is as good preaching as anybody could ever do right here. I'm telling you the truth. These are contrary. The one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Is that good preaching or what? These are contrary one to the other. The flesh is fighting the spirit. And the spirit's warned to try to get into the flesh. Now folks, I'm telling you right now that the spirit wants you to pray. The flesh does not. I say that if God manifests in the flesh, had to pray that his spirit was willing and the flesh was weak, who in the world do I think I am with my old rotten flesh that I'm going to want to pray every day and I'm going to want to be in the word every day. But I'm going to preach to you like I was preached to when I was a boy. Garbage in, garbage out. And if you wonder why you always feel like garbage is around you, it's because that's the diet that we ingest. I'm saying tonight that the flesh will always be contrary to the spirit. And if we want to get a hold of God and we want to walk with discernment, it's going to take self-denial and self-discipline. Oh, I wish I had something deep for you tonight. My flesh don't like it when the alarm clock goes off. I want to tell you how we are now. We'll get up in the morning when that alarm goes off, even when we don't want to, if it means we get a paycheck. Right? Because if a man don't work, then a man don't eat. But we're so satisfied by the food that goes on our table that we give very little thought to the food that enters our spirit. And I wonder what would happen if we get as desperate for a move of God as we are paycheck. Well, pastor, if I don't work, my family don't eat. And if you don't pray, your family won't be saved. Self-discipline of prayer is number one. I got to discipline my flesh. My spirit's always ready to go. I always want to have revival. I always want to have a breakthrough. But my flesh really doesn't. These are contrary, the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would or you should do, the things that you want to do, the things that you desire to do. I want to tell you tonight, brothers and sisters, at the beginning of this year, you don't need another New Year's resolution that you're going to serve God and do better this year. I'm going to tell you as your pastor tonight, there's only one way to make it happen. you got to get your old flesh by the nap of the neck. And you got to pick yourself up and get up on your feet and say, I will not go prayerless today. I will not go today without touching God. I will not go without the word of God today. If it's convenient, then it's not going to move heaven. But if we'll shake ourselves and shake our flesh... Get ourselves by the nap of the neck, pull ourselves up, and say, I'm going to get a hold of God today. Something will begin to change in your life. You've got to discipline your flesh to pray. I don't know. I don't know if there's anybody in here that's ever noticed. But 
the things that I need to do the most are the things I want to do the least. Come on. Ooh, y'all can sit down now. Don't be running laps on that. So the things I need to do the most are the things I want to do the least. Here at the beginning of the year, there may be some things in your life that you need to get right with somebody, not just God. There may be some things in your heart that you got to get right with somebody else so you can be right with God. We're so worried. Now, I'm going to help you right here. I mean it. We're so worried about the content of our prayer and what it's going to sound like when we say it that we just don't do it at all. But it's when I go to God in prayer, in earnest prayer, that he starts dealing with me about things that stand between me and him. And sometimes it's just a little phone call. Sometimes it's just a little card in the mail to say, hey, brother, I'm thinking of you. Sometimes it's a text message that says, hey, when you get a minute, I'd like to buy your coffee. I got something on my heart and sit down and tell them I hadn't been right with God because I hadn't been right with you. Wouldn't it be something if we danced and shouted and huckabucked and scratched our shoes on the carpet because we danced so much and sweat the armpits of our suits out and stand before the Lord and he said, all you had to do is just go tell your brother. I'm not impressed by your sacrifice if you can't make things right with your brother. How do we know when things aren't right with me and God? Well, I sit down and listen to TBN. Sorry, you ain't going to find it. Ain't going to happen. You're not going to get with some TV evangelist that's going to tell you how to get things right with God. You're going to have to find you a place that is an altar for you. That nobody else can bother you. That nobody else can get in. I know this isn't popular, but I'm going to teach it on this Wednesday night tonight. Your old flesh is going to fight you every step of the way. Every time you try to have a breakthrough, your old flesh is going to fight you. Every time you try to talk to the Lord, your phone's going to ring. Every time you try to pray, you're going to get sleepy. I was listening to this guy the other day. I was studying some, some uh, different education stuff, and I was listening to this guy. He's a, he's a teacher, and he was saying, he was saying, now, when you're, when you're preparing for these tests, he said, you got to, you got to isolate yourself, give yourself a good 40 to 60 hours of prep right before you do this. And the guy that he was talking with, he said, this guy's not a preacher. He's in the business world. This is what he did. He said, I'm talking about 40 to 60 hours without this. He held up his phone. He said, you can't even focus without this. And I'm like, God, I'm over here trying to study and you're trying to talk to my heart. You cannot walk into a prayer closet with your phone. Well, I take mine in there and just use it as a Bible. Then you better cut it off, put it in airplane mode, and use your Bible. Because I'm going to make you a promise. This is the way it works. It, it, it'll tickle you, but it's true. When you go in to pray, somebody's going to text you. When you go in to pray, somebody's going to call you. When you say you're going to fast, somebody that's never brought you a pie is going to drop by your house and give you a pie. The devil is a liar. Uh, you think I'm kidding. That's just the way it works. And the devil ain't got nothing to do with it. It's your flesh. That's the way it is. I'll have somebody invite me to lunch. I don't ever go to lunch. I ain't been to forever. And I thought about how fun it would be. And just sure as I go on a three or four or five day fast, I'll get a call. Hey, bro, been thinking about you. Passing through Anderson. Let's have lunch. So what do you do? I go sit at the table with them and I put a water on the table. And I sit there and watch them eat their lunch. 
Pastor, does it smell good? Yeah, it smells good. Does it look good? Yeah, it looks good. But does revival sound good? Does breakthrough sound good? You ain't never going to fast when food don't sound good. You're never going to fast when your body don't ache. You're never going to fast when you don't get a headache. And you're never going to pray when it's easy. But there is a moment in that prayer closet when you grabbed your old flesh and drug yourself into that prayer closet that you start feeling that old man die. And when the old man dies and the Spirit of God starts moving in there, there don't have to be any music playing. There don't have to be nobody in the room. There don't have to be anybody to encourage you. You just feel that gentle, sweet Holy Ghost start moving in and filling your soul. I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost every day. I've been asked before if I believe as doctrine that you have to speak in tongues every day to be saved. And I'll be honest with you. I don't really have a good answer as to how I'd preach it if it was doctrine. The only way I can answer that question is with a question. Why wouldn't you want to? Well, come on, that that went over like a lead balloon. Why wouldn't you want to? Why wouldn't you want to be in his presence every day? Why why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you want to drive down the road and people think you're a freak because you're crying and speaking in tongues driving down the road? Man, I've had me some moves of God. You know what I've been doing? I'm fixing to tell because I'm going to get some people to join me. Boy, I felt a little something on that. I'm going to tell you what I've been doing. I've been getting in my truck, and I know this is hard to do with gas at $8 a gallon. <laughs> Especially in my truck. I turn it on, and it goes. <laughs> I've been getting in my truck, and I've been driving the outskirts of Anderson. I've been getting out on county roads. I've been driving through the ghettos of Anderson. I've been driving through the bad places of town. I'll get in my truck and go for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. I start circling this city, Brother Castro, praying, God, this is the mission field you put me in. God, this is the city that you promised us we're going to have revival. Can't you do that in the sanctuary? Sure I can. But I've been getting out and driving around this city. I've, been, I've, I've gone all the way around the outside of it, all the way around the outside, north, south, east, and west. And I've been saying, God, send angels. Into the, you know what I want you all to start doing? Everywhere you go. Everywhere you go, I don't care where you're at, when you get out, I want you to say, God, your word said that you'd give us where our feet land. You said that whatever we did would prosper. Lord, this is our city. We're going to have revival. I don't care what the economy looks like. I got to driving the other day feeling faith. I could feel the old angels of the Lord out there with me. I said, Lord, I don't care what this neighborhood looks like. And I don't care what the economy looks like. You're going to start raising up people in our church that's going to be able to finance revival. I said, Lord, I'm asking you to release right now the very thing that break the back of the poverty in this community. I started binding up this drug pandemic. I've been binding up all this uh, drug dealing and prostitution, all this homelessness. I'm not just going to drive around and smile at it. I want God to break the back of this thing. I want to have revival. I want this church to set the atmosphere of this city. It only happens when you discipline your flesh. I like to sleep, don't you? Some people, I'll never understand them. I'm like, man, when are you going to sleep? When I'm dead. No, not me, huh? 
I'm going to sleep at night, and I'm going to sleep when I get a chance. If I lay down that recliner for about 15 minutes, don't look. Come on now. I'll be sucking flies in over there. Praise God. I like it. I like that where you, you just feel the whole world go away. It's like it just starts leaving. And next thing you know, you go. <laughs> That's real fun on an airplane when you wake up and people are staring at you. I like rest. I'm going to tell you, we got to discipline our old flesh. When you're laying there in that bed and you toss and turn, been laying there looking at the ceiling for an hour, and you're like, God, why can't I sleep? Do you really have to ask that? Come on. Well, but I got to get up and go to work where you're awake anyway. There's something neat that happens when we obey and we just roll on out of the bed. I ain't going to lay there and keep my wife awake tossing and turning because I'm not a quiet not sleeper. You understand what I'm saying? When I can't go to sleep, I'm not quiet about it. I want them to lay there like, <sighs> and just about the time I go to doze off, my dog comes running out of the cover, shakes his ears and pops them, and I'm awake again. The other night I was laying there. I'd been talking with the Lord. I'd been praying, been seeking God. I thought I'd talk to him enough. I got to laying there in bed, boy, I got feeling something churning in my soul. I just eased out of the bed. I walked down the old hallway and turned left, went to the living room, and there were, wasn't nobody in there. All my girls, they were deep in the spirit. They had encountered El Shuddai. Hey, Amen. They were all enveloped in the comforter. I knew they were. But the Holy Ghost got to moving in my living room. Got to feel the presence of the Lord. Folks, listen. I'm telling you, I know this is simple tonight. Here, Pastor, listen to me. Your home is going to be full of some kind of spirit. And it's going to be the spirit that you entertain. So the things that you release into your home, you have to be very, very careful that you're not opening up your home to things that are going to tear your home apart. I'm talking about self-discipline. Self-denial only comes through self-discipline. I was, watching, I, I was watching a video this morning. Why am I telling you this? Because I want you to know I'm a human. I was watching a video on YouTube this morning. I have no clue what it was. I really don't. I don't even remember what it was. And whoever I was watching, they were filming their little trip or something. They said a nasty cuss word. I turned it off. There wasn't nobody there. And I said out loud, I said, sorry, dude. Not in my house. I said, I worked too hard to keep this house clean. The glory of God dwells here. You ain't cussing in my house. Who's going, who's going to say anything, Pastor? Nobody has to say anything. I know what i got to fight when I wake up in the middle of the night. I want the peace of the Holy Ghost to be there. I want to walk in that front living room. That old angel be standing in there and meet me as the presence of God begins to move and work in that house. Listen, it takes discipline to make your home a holy place with sanctity and, and, and righteousness and holiness in that house. If you've been struggling with your flesh, you ought to get you a bottle of oil that you can waste in your house. If you've moved into your house and never prayed over that house, I'd get started tonight. Before my family and I ever spent the first night in the house we live in, I called my mother. I said, tomorrow morning, we're going to the house. We've been over there working. Man, we walked through that house and prayed. 
The Lord has given us authority, and we better take the discipline to start anointing that house. Get you some oil out. Anoint every door, every window. Walk through your house. Plead the blood. If you got children, go to their room. Plead the blood over the doorposts in the little. Anoint it. Anoint their pillow. Put a prayer cloth in their pillow. we got to have a culture of prayer. It's not just about praying over our food. Dear God, I want a move of heaven in the earth, and it's going to take self-discipline to Seek God. You got to discipline your flesh. It ain't easy. If anybody in here has ever had a consistent workout regimen, you know once you get in the routine, it ain't near as hard to keep going because you know what you got to lose. But if you take three weeks off and you try to start back, woo! You've heard me say it. But I've, I've tried to make myself, I've tried to make myself something that I don't want God to replace. Amen. I want to bring value to the kingdom of God. When I get up in the morning, I want the Lord to expect to hear me say something to him. Well, boy, if I get to preach about miracles, you folks will do backflips and stand on your head. This is how we're going to get them. You want to move with God? You want harvest? It's going to happen in your house before it happens in this house. I love it. I've been listening to folks the last few days. Just, you know, it's New Year's resolution time. I've been listening to folks. They're trying to come up with ways to make things a little bit easier, you know. Well, every year I've tried to read my Bible all the way through, and it seems like I just don't get much from reading. So what I've decided to do is just read the New Testament this year. Okay, but if you enter into the New Testament the way you did the Old Testament last year, you won't get nothing either. Sometimes you just got to shut Facebook off, open up your Bible, get you an audio Bible if you got to, stick, a, stick iPod things in, what are they called, in your ears, AirPods, stick you some headphones on, open up your Bible and when somebody walks in, you watch, you open up that Bible, somebody say, hey, I want to ask you something. Give them that, just one second. Because there's always another five minutes, another five minutes, come help me another five minutes. We got to self-discipline ourselves to where God can speak to us. If you want God to speak to you, you got to get yourself in alignment in a place where he's speaking. Anybody here want to hear from God? My God. Every time I go to pray, my flesh says, don't do it. Every time I go to fast, my flesh says, don't do it. But you got to discipline your flesh. And I'm going to tell you the other thing you got to discipline is your spirit. Proverbs 16 and 32. You got to get disciplined in your spirit. Proverbs 16 and 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. Ooh, pastor, I want to be mighty in God. You'll never be mighty in God till you're mighty against your spirit. I heard uh, the story told. I read it. Actually, I didn't hear him tell it. I read the story. Bishop Joel Holmes told on himself. His daddy died when he was... 
young and he, he started pastoring FPC, Little Rock, at 19 years old. And he said, you know, his daddy was a mighty man of God. He had told stories about Bishop A.O. Holmes, which my grandfather knew, and, and uh, how that his daddy had people in the church that were causing trouble, and that he took that. It always makes me think of my granddad. Uh, Bishop A.O. Holmes had took the church in Little Rock, and there was a tough board in that church. And the board kept bucking him on everything he was trying to do to have revival. And he said his dad went on a 10-day fast. He walked in, into the church. The Lord gave, there was tongues interpretation. The Lord spoke and said, it's time to let this woman live, speaking of the church. So Bishop Holmes, he stood up and he said, all right. Just came off that 10-day fast. He said, I want to know in this church tonight who wants me to be the pastor of this church and who wants the board to pastor this church. The majority of the church stood up and said, we want you, Brother Holmes. He said, all right. They voted the board out and he pastored the church. That's the way he lived. But Brother Joel Holmes said, that's just how he'd lived, you know, and his daddy was a powerful man in prayer. And uh, he said, I took the church, and he said, I was real insecure. I was a kid. He said, every, every place I walked in, I knew people were talking about me. Everywhere I went. He said, I walked in one night, and he said, there were four men over in the corner as soon as I walked in the church. And he said, I knew they were talking about me. Just as sure as the world, I walked in, you know, they kind of cut eyes over to me. And he said, man, I felt it come on me. My heart got to beating fast. And he said, I started to walk over and tell them, man, I'm the pastor of this church. You're going to listen to what I'm telling you. ain't going to stand over here and talk about me. And he said, I felt the Lord check me in my spirit. He said, I just swallowed deep. He said, all right, Lord, I'm going to get control of my flesh. He said, little did I know they were talking about me. He said, those men were over there talking about me. He said the four of them had got together and decided that my wife and I needed some furniture in our home. He said, I thank the Lord every day I had control of my spirit. Because if I'd have walked over there and chewed on them men about talking about me, he said, they bought me and my wife one of the most beautiful bedroom suits you'd ever seen in your life. He said, yes, sir. They were the, over there talking about me. But you let your spirit get out of control. And you start responding to things, reacting to things, because you haven't been in prayer and got control of your flesh. I'm going to tell you, your life is going to be difficult. There's something that happens when you discipline your flesh and your spirit starts feeling different. People know you're different. The way that you order a steak and it comes to your table different than the way you ordered it come on now we had an evangelist here the other day we walked in all you know the servers wanted to serve my family he's man i like the way i like the way your family is in restaurants I said, yeah those people like tips well they like good tips and there's some folks in here used to wait tables like I did. And on Sundays when you'd see suits coming, it was the worst tip day of the week. It was. On Sunday, people get out of the church like they just did something for God and come in and cuss you out because their steak was too pink or too done. And you didn't cook that steak. And then they'd get up and leave you 50 cents for a table of five. But you know what I do? God bless y'all. Thank you for coming. Hopefully I'll get to serve you again someday. I didn't get 50 cents next time. Something happens in your spirit when you get your flesh under control. 
I've had people come to me and say, Pastor, when are you going to deal with that? When are you just going to face that? When are you going to go tell them? When are you going to go tell them, sit down, be quiet? When are you going to handle all that? Listen, I still believe. I know maybe I'm naive and there are times you got to handle things. But I still believe if I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battles, that victory shall be mine. <laughs> Praise God. It's been a long 45 minutes, hasn't it? You got to discipline your spirit. You may feel like you're full of zeal. You're just reacting in the Holy Ghost. Listen, I still believe the word's right. A soft answer will turn away wrath. Get your spirit right with God. You got to discipline your mind. You got to discipline your mind. I don't know how yours work, but my old mind's a mess. I think sometimes. I don't know who, who it is, but these doctors that diagnose people with ADD, I think I could blow their mind. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen anything like my, like my brain. Anybody here know what a mind map is? Anybody ever worked with a mind map? Okay, that's not going to work. <laughs> so mind maps where you start with one idea and then it looks like a bunch of cartoon kind of things. You branch off of that, draw another bubble, and you go off that, and sometimes it's three bubbles. It's a mind map. You, you don't want to see what my mind maps look like. There were some guys used to, there was a thing for a while, you build a sermon by a mind map. Oh, it was hideous. You guys would have never got anything. It had been worse than the night. You never got anything I was preaching to you. I'm telling you, listen, my brain is a mess. It can be 45 places at one time and not get one of the 45 things done. Sometimes you just got to shut yourself in. I've gone to prayer, and it would dawn on me when I would go to prayer how to build something that I was trying to figure out how to build. I'm, I'm being honest. I've been trying to figure it out for days, and just as soon as I go in to pray, boom, it'll come. This is what you need to do. I'm like, well, it's going to have to wait. Because I have got to discipline my mind that when I'm talking to the Lord, nothing else matters. Nothing. I want, I, I, I want young people to be raised the way I was. I, I've taught my kids when somebody talks to you and you shake their hand, you look them in the eye. Some, when somebody greets you, you don't say, hey, I'm fine. How are you doing? Thank you. Good to meet you. Oh, no. You look them people in the eye. You spend time, look at their soul, talk to them, love them, let them know that you care. I don't care if you know them or not. If somebody greets you, look at them, talk to them. Can you imagine what it looks like to the Lord when we walk into prayer sometimes? He's trying to talk to us and we won't even look at him. But you let that phone light up in a dark room. Oh, my Lord. It's got to be the president's cabinet. They need me to give them the code to the nuclear football. <laughs> no. It was actually your joke of the week text coming through at 830 in the morning. Somebody shout prayer. prayer. What else is going to work? There's nothing else. Jesus said this kind goes out with prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. Pastor, what should I pray? What's the content of my prayer need to be?
What should I say? How long, how long should I stay in there? I don't know how to pray. How long should I stay in there and pray? I'm going to tell you, if you'll just start doing something. Just start, just start doing something. If you don't know what else to do, sit down and just start trying to count every blessing you've got. God, I thank you for shoes on my feet. I thank you for clothes on my back. I thank you for a porch over our head. We used to pray in bed at night when my girls were little. They'd come in there and Jocelyn had the cutest little accent. She, 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 she wouldn't swallow or spit when she'd talk like this. She got to pray. My wife, my wife would pray every night. She'd say, thank you, Lord, for shoes on our feet. Thank you for food on our table. Thank you, Lord, for a porch over our head. Thank you for clothes on our back. She'd walk through the whole thing. So we asked Joss to pray one night. She said, Lord, thank you for shoes on our table and a porch on our back. So if you got to get up every morning, thank the Lord for shoes on your table and a porch on your back. Just get up and give him praise for something. Come on. Come on. And I'm going to tell you what's amazing about that. God knew exactly what she meant. He knows what you can't say. He, he knows how he created you. He knows if your mind wanders off. So when you get to praying and it's not eloquent and it don't sound like you're preaching to a, a big old sermon, just forget about it and say, Lord, I don't even know how to tell you because I love you so much. I don't even know how to say it. It would exhaust every resource in my mind. But I had to take a moment when I got out of the bed to, take, to say thank you for breath in my lungs. I had to take a moment to tell you thank you, Lord, that both of my feet are working, my eyes are working. I can see, I can smell, I'm breathing. Everything's all right. My babies are healthy. My wife, my husband, they're all right. I just want to thank you that when I woke up, the furnace was working. I want to thank you, Lord, that my car is running and it's got enough gas in it to get me to the store. I thank you that my refrigerator's got food in it and my family's not going to go hungry. God, you've been good to me. I could have slept on a street corner last night, but I woke up in a warm bed because you've been with me. You've enriched my life. You've blessed me. I could be walking everywhere I go. But you provided for me, Lord, and I thank you for it. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise for his blessings tonight. Come on, stand and give God praise for his blessings tonight. Thank you, great God. Thank you, great God. You can remain standing. Brother Stan Cook that sang here and preached for us many times through the years. Very gifted. I grew up listening to Stan Cook sing. He sang with the Magruders when I was a kid. Man, he's blessed our church. He's a great singer. Back when COVID really got hot and people weren't really sure what to do with it, you know. Brother Cook's a big old boy. He's a big man. They put him in the hospital with COVID. He said he laid up there in that bed all by himself. Nobody was in there. I'll never forget hearing this, man. It, when I talked to him on the phone after, told him he blessed me. Brother Cook was up there in that room. And he said, man, I need my lungs to preach. I need my lungs to sing. And here I am laying in this bed. And this virus is trying to 
mess up my lungs. And he said, Mother, he said, I, I didn't know how else to do it, and I wouldn't have the strength to sing it normal, he said. But I just lifted up my voice and said, it's your breath in my lungs. So I pour out my praise. It may not be as strong as I want it to be, but I'm telling you, if you wake up and you're breathing. Well, I got a lot of trouble going on, but you're breathing and everything's going to be all right. Come on, let's get the big things out of the way first. All your trouble's not gone, but you're alive and well. And the hand of God's on you. The grace and mercy of God have kept you through another night. It's going to be all right. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God. This kind only goes out with prayer and fasting. And it don't go out because we're talking about prayer and fasting. It goes out because we're praying and we're fasting. I'm going to push this church. I'm going to push you as hard as I've ever pushed you because I love you. If you've never fasted a day a week, you need to start fasting a day every week. If you don't pray an hour a day, you need to start with 15 minutes a day. Sometimes you got to do it just like you would going to work. you got to put it on your calendar. So when I get up, this 15 minutes, this 30 minutes, I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek God. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen after a while. You're going to start feeling that drawing. And when you start to miss that time, you'll just feel that gentle little nudge and say, come on in here and talk to me a little bit. If we're not praying and we're not fasting, then we don't have to hold God accountable to keep his end of the deal of what he's told this church is going to happen. We've heard revival. We've heard harvest. We've heard souls. We've heard backsliders. We've heard all of that. How's it going to happen? Prayer and fasting. Pastor, I'm a diabetic. I don't know if I can fast normal. Listen, God knows what you can't say. And he knows what you can't do. Do what you can do. And I'm not talking about just being weak and blaming your flesh. If you can't fast a full 24, get your sugar monitor out. Monitor Make sure you're doing all right. Fast as long as you can fast. What are you going to do if you go on that fast and God heals your body? I'm ready for it. God's been reaching for some of you. Come on in three days. Come on in five days. Come on in seven days. He's been reaching for you. You've been hearing him. Come on, pray a little more. How many of you feel like it's time for us to respond to the voice of the Lord? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I think we ought to set our goals this year. That instead of seeing how many books we can read about the Bible, we ought to just get in the Word. Let the Word speak to us. Amen? Praise God. Let's pray. God, I love you tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this precious church. Thank you, God, for these precious people. Lord, your Word is so rich and so powerful. I thank you, Lord, for using me tonight. Lips of clay to speak to these precious hearts. I pray that soil was ready to receive the seed of the word of God tonight. If we're going to come after you, Lord, we got to deny ourselves. We got to discipline our flesh and discipline our spirit and discipline our mind. We got to find a prayer closet. We got to push away from the plate. We got to tell our flesh no. I pray, God, you'd take this church to a deeper place of hunger. Take us to a place of intercession, God. Teach us the value of daily walking with you. Just a closer walk. Just a closer walk. I want to know you, Lord. The power of your resurrection. 
and the fellowship of your suffering. I praise you tonight, Lord. Thank you for your people. Be with us and keep us safe till we come back together again. In the mighty name of Jesus, let the church say amen. 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 Lord bless you. I love you.